You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call. As today, your Indiana Hoosiers outlast the Louisville Cardinals 68 to 67 at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. In a game that Indiana really didn't play very well in the first half, they faced a five-point deficit at halftime. That deficit grew at the start of the second half, but Indiana got more physical, got more aggressive in the game, made some shots, and were able to go on a nice 8-0 run late. A a last-second desperation heave by Louisville made it a one-point game. Uh, But most importantly, the Hoosiers get the win, uh, a big, important non-conference win against a Louisville team that, credit to them, they came out and played really hard, played really well, uh, and so it was impressive for Indiana in the second half to get things turned around and get this much-needed W. I am your host, Jared Morris. I am here with Ryan Phillips, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment today, Louisville is up 58-57. to Rob Finnessy drains a three to put Indiana up 60-58. to That spurred the 8-0 run by Indiana. The Hoosiers would not trail again. And look, I think it's time we start calling him Big Shot Rob because, I, you know, I don't know what his percentage is going to be at the end of the season. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't make them throughout the flow of the game. But, man, it seems like whenever Indiana needs a three-pointer or needs a play at the end of a half or the end of a game – this guy just seems to continue to come up and make them. And that wasn't even his only big three-pointer of the second half. Indiana continued to struggle to get over the hump and get the lead back after they had made comeback after comeback against Louisville. When they finally did it, who made the shot? Big shot Rob. Knocked down a three when it was 47-46 to to give Indiana their first lead of the game. You know, punctuated that then by getting a couple big rebounds, really playing some nice defense along the baseline to not allow Louisville to get any easy buckets there late. Once again, Rob Finnessy coming up in the clutch and, you know, just another sign that this freshman, mature beyond his years, ready for these big moments. And he, just like he was against Penn State, a huge, huge reason why Indiana was able to get this win today. So the banner moment, Rob Finnessy with another big three-pointer for the Hoosiers. All right, and today's uh, Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel, like the Tri-Blend hoodie that I bought recently that I've been telling you about, that I love, that I probably wear every other day now. It's really it's getting a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and at hoosierproud.com, you will find great State of Indiana-themed apparel, as well as our official Assembly Call logo t-shirts. Both brands, Hoosier Proud and Home Field Apparel, were started by an IU grad, and all apparel at both sites is designed and printed 
out of Indianapolis. And with Christmas on the way, you should consider finding the perfect holiday gift for the IU fan or Indiana resident in your life at homefieldapparel.com and hoosierproud.com. Plus, the state of Indiana's 202nd birthday is coming up on Tuesday, December 11th, so be sure to get ready for Hoosier Proud's big Indiana birthday sale. Get a brother, get some coupons. Yes, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout today for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at hoosierproud.com and homefieldapparel. Com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. It's a two-man show for you today, so let's kick it over to Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant or your opening thoughts on this Indiana victory? Well, after the Penn State game, you know, some people were kind of upset how Indiana finished the game, and, I, and rightfully so. They really didn't finish well the last five minutes, but they pulled out the win. And the first thing I said was, about that was it's not about what happened tonight. It's about how you get better and how you learn from this. Well, tonight or today uh, with 413 left, Ryan McMahon had a layup and Louisville had a 55-54 lead with 413 left. Indiana went on to win the game. And at one point with, you know, what was it? 30 seconds left there or uh, 42 seconds. left. Uh, I don't even know what it was, but with not much time left, oh, 16 seconds left, they were up seven and then two ridiculous threes from Louisville when we all knew the game was over uh, a three from Louisville, then a horrible call that wound up giving them three free throws. And then the heave at the end, uh, it, it makes it closer than it was. It, it They pretty much had it established that they were going to win with about 16 seconds left up seven. So, if you look at where that bucket happened, it was 55-54, and you look at 16 seconds left, it was 58-65. So they outscored them 11 to four over the or 11 to three over the end of the game. That's huge for Indiana to go out against a game Louisville team who I think is better than Penn State, certainly. Yes, they were playing at home, and that's really the difference. But they went out and closed the game and closed it well. And it wasn't perfect. There's still mistakes and there's still stuff to build on. But we came into this four-game stretch of the two Big Ten games, the Louisville game and the Butler game, saying we wanted it'd be great to go 3-1. and one. Well, you're 3-0 and oh right now. You're yep. already there. Uh, we, I think everyone was hoping at worst 2-2. Two and two, but it, And hopefully you win the two Big Ten games and then lose Louisville and, and or Butler. And, and Butler. Uh, but to start off three and zero in this crucial stretch, and have not played your best basketball, so there's still stuff to build on. This team isn't maxing out; they're not they're not peaking; they're not playing like they did against Marquette. They're kind of still figuring it out, and but they're able to pull out wins, and and I think that's a key component of a, a team that is, you know, the difference between good teams and okay teams is the good teams find ways to win. And Indiana has sort of started to find ways to win. And and that's a huge quality for a team that's going to be in a rough and tumble Big Ten where I think a, I think a lot of teams are going to have losses that before the season you didn't think they'd have. I think somebody's going to lose to Penn State. A top-tier team's going to lose to Penn State. I think a top-tier team's going to lose to whoever, Illinois. I mean, the, the teams are just so tight this year. I think it's going to be in a wide open Big Ten, and I don't think we expected that a few months ago, even a few weeks ago. You want to rant real quick about the Romeo foul call on the three-pointer? Just real quick I rant, because everybody wants to hear it. Ryan McMahon was clearly <laughs> trying to initiate contact and did a horrible job of it because he didn't touch Romeo Lankford. Romeo Lankford didn't touch him. Romeo was clearly trying to jump past him. Now, look, if you're Romeo, let the guy shoot the three. 
at that point. Just just let it. I mean, it, walk up to him, put your hand up. Do not do that because you're just setting yourself up for an incompetent official to make a bad call. And that's exactly what happened. McMahon jumped sideways. Okay. He wasn't even trying to shoot the ball. He jumped sideways into Lankford and Lankford didn't even touch him. It, it's just, there were so many of those. There were two offensive foul calls. I mean, look, you could do this every game with every officiating crew. I get it. But the egregious ones drive me nuts. The two offensive foul calls, there was one on Finnessy and one on Lankford where Louisville guys, Credit to them. It's a smart play. Slid underneath them as yeah. they were in the air and took charges. I mean, I don't blame Louisville for doing that because if you're going to get away with it, take every advantage you have. Yep. As long as nobody gets hurt you know, or injured on the play, I don't care. But that's just horrible officiating. Rule one is you have to be established unless uh, uh, somebody lowers a shoulder or lowers an arm, which didn't happen there. And it's just you're sliding in once the guy's in the air. What's he supposed to do? You can't shift where you're going once you're in the air. So, I mean, just some and there, there were some bad calls all over the place, just ticky tack stuff. And then there was, you know, Justin Smith had that dunk. I don't know how they clearly didn't see him getting fouled. He gets slapped on the arm. And then the next time he gets it in the post, they automatically call a foul just to make up for it. Like, no, don't you, you shouldn't have to make makeup calls. Just get the call right the first time. I knew, I knew it would be an avalanche if I just pushed it just a little bit. I knew it would come. Everybody, everybody's cheering you in the chat, so you're you're channeling everybody. Now, I have a, I have a pain in my shoulder. Is that bad? Is that- <laughs> okay, speaking of channeling the fan base, maybe no moment was more indicative of a coach channeling his fan base than when Archie just went nuts after Jawan Morgan missed the front of a one-and-one one because, you know, what threatened to derail Indiana's victory was some of the free throw shooting down the stretch. Duran went one for two. Romeo went 0 for two and really short-armed the last one. You could kind of just tell from his body language that his confidence was down. And then Juwan, you know, misses one, and you could just see the frustration just explode out of Archie Indiana, I believe if my math is correct, went six for seven after Archie had that little outburst. Juwan came back and made the, the front end. Uh, I, um, I know Romeo hit those two at the end. Um, I can but- tell you exactly what they're doing, too, and, and why he's frustrated. Romeo always misses short when he misses. And I don't know if it's just he's not used to playing this many stressful minutes or whatever, but he doesn't bend his knees and flow through his shot. And he misses short every time. And typically, he misses the second one, which means that he's not focused. Because if you make the first one, there's no reason you shouldn't make the same. And they're perfectly straight on line. He just misses short. Juwan is the same way. He's missing short. And it's clear with Juwan, he's not bending his knees. And it's every time he bends his knee. I think that's why Archie was frustrated. And to Archie's credit, he got angry. He got pissed off. And then he walked into the huddle and slapped Juwan on the knee. And, yep. you know, said like, hey, make the next one or, or whatever to encourage him. But he got angry outside the huddle. He didn't do it in Juwan's face or anything like that. Yeah. And he went in, when Juwan sat down, he patted him on. You could see him go and pat him on the leg and say, you know, get the next one or whatever. Uh, so I credit Archie for having that frustration, but not showing up the player or being mad at the player. Yep. And that that that's really important. And And I think that, yeah, the frustration boils over when you're doing everything right but you can't convert on the simple things. And these guys were playing well, especially in that last five, you know, four to five minute stretch, they were playing really well. And if it, if they were going to lose the game because they couldn't make free shots at the line and it's your best player, you know, doing it, that's a problem. And it's one of those things where the coach can't do anything about it. I mean, you really, the coach really can't do anything about it in the game. You can game plan, call the right play, whatever the team fouls you, you go to the line, you miss your free throws, it's on the players to make those. Now, okay, 
we've talked about it before. The staff needs to do stuff in practice and work with these guys and all that. Yeah. But in the flow of that game, you're doing everything right to win the game and your guys are missing free throws. I understand why that's frustrating because they should have won that game. You know, it should have been sewn up before that. And uh, so with, with Juwan and with Romeo, it's concentration and it's just bending the knees and flowing through the shot for Juwan, certainly. And, and Romeo, it's really just finishing the shot. It's, it's getting a little lower and finishing through his shot and holding his, his release and all that stuff. Simple stuff, but it's focus. That's all it is, is focus. You cannot lose your focus in a key situation like that. Sometimes guys overthink it and it comes off the side of their hand or something like that. That happens. But if you're just missing it straight on, that's just focus. It's a lack of focus, and they need to really clue into that. Hey, I mean, maybe that'll prove to be a turning point. You know, I mean, it was certainly a turning point tonight so or, or today. So that, that's obviously big for Deanna. Let's talk a little bit about Romeo, who, you know... By the way, I just want to say this. Romeo shot 80% on his free throws in high school. He can shoot free throws. This has never been an issue before. I think partially it's big stage. He's still not used to it. And he's just, you know, getting comfortable. And, and hopefully it gets out of his head and he just you know, focuses. Yeah. And he got to the line a lot tonight. I mean, 14 free throws overall, you know, he makes nine of them, obviously the two down the stretch. I mean, every single one of those was huge after those crazy shots um, that Louisville made, you know, Romeo ends up leading the team in scoring with 21 points uh, as one rebound four assists. You know, I thought overall it was kind of an uneven day for him. I didn't think defensively he was quite as locked in as he's been, you know, and kind of got off balance a few times and got out of position a few times. It did not rebound with the same kind of focus and fervor you usually see from him. I mean, he's a guy who almost always is going to go out there and grab you four, five, six rebounds. It didn't today. I'll tell you who helped make up for that was Rob Finnessy, who had six rebounds, and some of those were absolutely huge. Um, you know, and I thought... Early in the game, Louisville's physicality hey, kind of cut. Before you jump on that, I want to mention a guy who really rebounded well, Justin Smith. Oh, we're going to get we're going to get to Justin. I know we are. We're going to get to Justin. We're going to give Finnessy credit for having some good rebounds. He did. Justin Smith had some huge. I know we'll circle back he to did. him, but I wanted to get that out early. He almost had Justin, a double double. And 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 Justin, ooh man, he did a great job defensively for the most part, and those rebounds were key, and that that made up for for Langford not rebounding as well. It did. No, it definitely did. And we will we will get to Justin. Uh, but real quick, just your thoughts on Romeo. Because in general, I thought early on, Indiana wasn't up to the challenge Louisville was presenting in terms of physicality. Uh, they just seemed like the more mentally tough team. And I thought Romeo kind of got taken out of it a little bit. Kudos to him because I thought there at the end in the second half, he played much more physical, you know, was able to drive in, get fouled, you know, made a couple shots as well, got himself to the free throw line, which really helped. So, uh, you know, for a freshman to be able to kind of come back and then match that physicality late in the game when he really needed to, you know, look, we've said it, you know, pretty much on every show at some point, the maturity that he and Rob Finnessy have for freshmen is really impressive. And I thought Romeo showed it again today, an imperfect day for him. And yet he still leads the team in scoring has huge buckets late. That's the kind of player that he is. I'll say this. I think the physicality did bother him and knock him off his game a little bit especially early. And then he started getting some calls that he wasn't getting in the first half when he was driving. And I think that that helped sort of settle him in that, okay, if I do this, maybe I won't get the hoop, but I might get to the line. Uh, and, and I know we're saying like, yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a weird day for him. 21 points. He had four assists, three of which were absolutely huge. Uh, six of 11 from the field. So he's over 50% from the field. Uh, nine of 11, nine of 14 from the line. But a lot of those, as you said, he made a lot of uh, big ones late. So, and and also just one turnover. I mean, 
you know, yeah. for having an off an off day, he was awesome. And what I will say too about Romeo is his maturity, as you said, is off the charts. A perfect example was he had a baseline drive uh, before a, a timeout. I don't remember how much time was left, but he had a baseline drive. And as he went up, he passed the ball to Juwan Morgan, who hit the shot and got fouled. And 99% of freshmen would force the shot that Romeo had. Yeah. And he saw what was happening. He saw he was getting cut off on the baseline. Rather than go up and try and force it over someone and beg for a call, he saw the best player on his team was right there in the middle, point-blank range, got him the ball, and, and Morgan laid it in. That was a huge play for me because... A, it got Morgan back into the game and he got fouled, went to the line, you know, all that. But it also showed that, you know, Romeo can, it made Louisville have to be aware that when Romeo drives, he can pass it. And so maybe they ease up on the drive a little bit and over helping on the drive because they got to stay with their man. Little subtle things like that, freshmen just don't do. And, and in general, Uh, and he has just has such a command of the floor and a command of the game of basketball and it's really impressive. And another thing that's really impressive is late. If he didn't feel he had something, he passed the ball. He didn't force things. And, and that's what I've been most impressed with Romeo so far. Isn't his scoring ability. We knew about that. It isn't, you know, his ability to lock down occasionally on defense. It isn't his ability to stretch the floor or drive and finish. We knew all of that. What I've been impressed with is his ability to see when he doesn't have things and defer to other people and know that he's eventually going to get the ball back. He's smart enough and cerebral enough to understand the game, which again, for a kid his age, is rare. I know it seems like we're talking about, oh, well, he understands the game of basketball. I'm playing his whole life. No, he sees the floor in a different way. He is on another level when it comes to seeing the floor and understanding where you get certain things on the floor and how you get what you need to get. And uh, I, I just continue to be so impressed with him. Yep. All right. Coming up, as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Louisville, I will point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed. Then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. And we're going to have special guest Zach McCrite here with us as well. You're listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's thrilling 68-67 to victory over Louisville at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday afternoon. It is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. I've got a couple of them, and Ryan, I want to start in the second half. You know, we talked about how Louisville really came out and dictated kind of the physicality. They were the tougher team in the first half, and I thought the start of the second half, they came out and were kind of doing the same thing again, and they had extended their lead. It's 35-28, and the play that I'm going to say was not a moment that anybody missed. It was Justin Smith's monster slam. Now, we have seen him, you know, try to finish like this and get one of these big dunks all season long, and it's just felt like... He kind of hasn't been able to do it, and he got this one, as you said. It, it, you know, it certainly looked like he was fouled. He was. But you know, what to me was most interesting about that is you know, I was a little bit worried because right after that, they had to take a couple of minutes to do a review, and it kinda, I thought it might kill kind of the momentum that you thought you would get from it because typically you get that dunk, the crowd's going crazy, you kind of get into it on defense. Well, you know, there's like a two- or three-minute break in the game after that, so you know, I wasn't sure if we were going to get that. But what I thought happened after that was, and I don't know if it was because of this play, 
But Indiana really started to play more physically. Like, they started to match Louisville much more after that. And I don't know if seeing Justin go up and finish that dunk had anything to do with it, but Indiana went on a 10-4 run. Justin and Duran really took over. Duran was absolutely terrific in that stretch. I mean, he was, you know, scored in a couple different ways, had that great pass from the top of the key to Justin, who finished. Um, And Justin Smith ends the day with nine points and nine rebounds. Uh, But I thought... That dunk, again, and not no, a moment anybody missed, but I thought what happened after that is it just, it really seemed to spur Indiana, and that gave them then, I thought, the kind of the physicality they needed to end up snatching the lead away and keeping it uh, you know, down the stretch, obviously. Most important staff for Justin, no turnovers. No turnovers. And yeah. he, was, he was doing what Justin Smith needs to do, back cutting, getting open, getting the ball on the block uh, with nobody with one guy around and, and beating him one-on-one. I mean, I, he was fantastic today, and this was the justice that we expected to see. Maybe we expected him to score more points or whatever, but this kind of play is what we expected and wanted this year, attacking the hoop. Going forward, not a back to the basket, back and down, or a, or a, you know trying to dribble through and pull up on something. No, 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 no. You cut the baseline, cut over the top, get to the hoop, make your guy guard you the entire 35 seconds on offense. And if he doesn't, the second he turns his head, you go to the basket and someone's going to find you. That's the Justin Smith that we wanted this year. And that's when we got today. And by the way, that dunk, it was so funny because he went up and he's been fouled on so many of those. Yeah. And he's bricked so many. He went up just completely expecting to get fouled. And then as he came through, you could see he was like, oh, I'm going to make this <laughs> yeah. and and slammed it down. And, uh, you know, good for him to get that finally. And that clearly settled him and opened him up a bit. And, and, yeah. and it also, you're right. The rest of the team was energized by that. They certainly were. And you could see the bench got real excited not just because it was a dunk by their teammate, but because they know Justin's been struggling and yep. he needed something to go right. That went right. And I thought for the rest of the game, he was really locked in. Um, very, very good performance from Justin. And and it, again, it's not about today's performance. It's about how he carries that over into the next game. And does he take, he has now a week to have good feelings about everything. And yep to practice hard and focus and continue to get better and then enter the Butler game with some confidence. And and hopefully that's what happens. And, and to all the people who have wanted him, you know, benched or his minutes reduced, it's not to say that your criticisms of Justin haven't been valid. They have. He hasn't been playing well. But the reason why Archie Miller sticks with him is because of this. You have to have Justin Smith playing well to beat good teams. You just have to. And so Indiana needed every bit of this performance today. Did you know for sure you were going to get it? No. But that's why if you trust a guy and if it's kind of a mental thing and he's working through some confidence issues and he's shown it to you before, which he did last year, that's why you keep him in because once he gets unlocked, he's a huge part of winning big games. And that's what Justin did today. So really, really happy to see that. All right, let's bring in Zach McCright. He is leaving Simon Scott Assembly Hall. He's in the car. We're always a little concerned when he does this because we want to make sure that he keeps his eyes on the road. Uh, but Zach, uh, your, uh, your opening thoughts, just kind of your general thoughts on this win for IU over Louisville. Well, just to piggyback off what you guys were saying, <laughs> Um, about Justin Smith. Uh, Ryan, I, I agree with everything y'all said, ex- with one exception. Ryan, you said it's not about what he did today. It's about, you know, how he carries this into the next game. Uh, my only disagreement is, yes, today did matter a little bit, too. I, I think that absolutely did matter. No, it was a huge oh, of game course for Justin. Did. I know, and I'm messing with you. It was a huge game for Justin, no doubt about it. I won't belabor that point. Um, I, you know, I, 
I, I'll be honest with you. I did not have a good feeling that entire game. I, I, I mean, up until the time yeah. where well, once they got their first lead, I mean, even through the Justin Smith dunk and, and a lot of other key baskets and key stops that, that IU seemed to get, I just, I just wasn't feeling good about it. And then all of a sudden, some, I didn't even know they had extra defensive clamps, but those got put on. And, um, and, and they, I mean, in, in a couple of them, you know, I, I'll say that Louisville probably had a lid on the rim and a couple of those shots as well. Yeah. But IU's defense was terrific. Uh, they got the baskets that they needed to late. Um, one guy, I, I jumped in late, so I didn't get to hear your all's uh, first portion of the show, but, um, you know, Justin Smith's getting a lot of credit today, and it's well-deserved. But I thought one – and I don't know how much you guys have talked about him who, does, who hasn't got a whole lot of pub this year that deserves some is Deron Davis. Yeah, we hadn't I gotten to Deron, him yet, and he was huge. I thought Deron Davis was unbelievable today. That was a guy that, for the first time this year, I felt like he looked a little bit like his pre-Achilles injury, Deron Davis. Back to the basket spin move here, spin move there, making very, very talented and and more athletic big men that were guarding him look bad. And 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 Duran deserves a ton of credit. Especially oh, Zach, okay, Zach's kind of breaking up a little bit. So let, let's take oh, this back over. Yeah, you're breaking no up a little bit. It, you know, you're yeah, driving through those you know, those Indiana back roads. Sometimes you lose that's the right, you lose the reception a little bit. Um I, no it, Try, try one more time and see if you got a better connection. I, I, was, just, I was just going to say on a day that uh, that Indiana, for the most part, and I know there were some big threes late, but uh, didn't shoot the the outside shot very well, which which is beginning to become customary for this team. Um, you, you had to go down low, and and Jawan has had to have been that the only guy for a lot of that time. And you get Duran now uh, with his back to the basket making buckets. You get Justin Smith actually uh, making cuts and moving without the basketball and getting buckets in the paint. Uh, Romeo doing his thing, getting to the paint. Uh, A lot of paint buckets there, and and it's from guys that you didn't necessarily get them from for most of the year. So, uh, I mean, obviously, just a huge win, and I think Duran and Justin deserve a lot of credit for that. By the way, the the chat mob is just on fire right now. Some of these comments, oh it's it's cracking me up. Uh, they're, no, they're but they, all about it's all about Jared's attire. Don't worry. Yeah, they're they're over oh, being good. worried about you driving. They've now moved on to my hair and sweater. Yeah, yeah they um, don't they, they don't care about me driving at all. I hope they enjoy the beanie though. What's up with that? Hell yeah, it's a great nice. beanie. Um, okay, so you know, really well, great let me, point. Let me something about Deron real quick. I want to piggyback on Deron real quick since we're there. Um, one of my favorite moments of the game was not his offense, not his defense, whatever. It was when Romeo Langford got hammered to the floor. Uh, I forget who it was. It was on a follow through up and it was incidental. I, I totally, you know, I'm the first to jump on somebody for that. Oh it was, yeah. So it was incidental. Malik Williams. Malik yeah. Williams. It was, it, it was, was way incident- after a foul call. Yeah. It, but he was going for the ball and it was a follow through and he's a big guy and he kind of stumbled, and knocked Romeo down. It, they showed the replay. It was absolutely incidental. Yeah. But Deron Davis, as soon as Romeo got up and Williams, you know, offered to help Romeo up and everything is fine. But Deron Davis turned to him. And as they're about to inbound the ball, you can see he's looking him in the eye and talking to him. He's mm-hmm. saying, stay off of him, leave him alone. Watch where you're going. That's my boy. <laughs> and that was the moment of the game for Deron Davis. For me, he is, he's a big dude. He's an enforcer. He's not the guy you want to mess with. I don't care who you no. are especially because he's a little heavier right now because he's still working his way back into game shape. You know, he could put a little oomph behind some of those punches if he needs them. <laughs> but I just, when he, when he just looked that guy needed, he didn't go after him. He didn't get in, get mouthed him too much. He just looked him in the eye and said, yeah, knock it off. And that was enough. 
And, and that the kind of leadership is the leadership you need. It doesn't have to be rah-rah speeches in the locker room. Yep. It doesn't have to be all that stuff. You can get that from your coach, but protecting your teammates, that's the kind of stuff you need. That's the kind of leadership you need. You need guys to get everybody together on the floor and uh, you know talk about a play and, and run your offense and all that stuff. But the talking to, to another player and saying, hey, you go after him again and you're going to regret it, that's that's leadership and that's real leadership. And it was great to see Deron Davis do that today and protect his freshman. He, he is such an important part of this team. And he was so important in that stretch in the second half. And, and there's another stretch that I want to discuss. And it, you know, Deron will will come back to Deron in this conversation. But in the first half, Indiana's down 27 to 19. And, you know, they had played without Duran, uh, without Juwan for a little while. Romeo was kind of the main offensive guy out there, and they really struggled to get anything going when Juwan was off the floor. So Juwan comes in, and he really settled things down. He had that great pass where he found Rob Finnessy on the wing for a three. That made it 27-22. Uh, you know, then he stole an inbounds pass. Then he got it on the wing, drove in and scored to make it 27, 24. It was a really big stretch in the game. Cause when it was 27, 19, it kind of, and, and Louisville was really dominating the first half. It felt like they may push the lead out even more. And that settled things down. And what became really clear in this game, if we didn't know it already, and I think we kind of did, but this team is so much more settled offensively when they are running their offense through Juwan and Duran in the post. Even yeah, if it's working inside out. Yeah, period. look, even if it's a crazy offensive possession and they throw it to Duran 18 feet from the basket and he just starts backing his man down, sometimes that's enough to get them going. It's like everybody falls into place when they have that. And so I think, you know, you've seen some times when Romeo's been the main offensive guy out there without Juwan or Duran, they really struggle to get things going. And, you know, so and look, I thought, you know, Jawan early in the game, I didn't think he was very good defensively, but I think part of it was you could see he was making a concerted effort to not foul. He didn't yeah. go after a few offensive rebounds. He didn't step up to help on defense because he was not going to foul. And that, that allowed him to play more aggressively late. Um, so I thought that was important. But I really thought today it was so clear in a big game against a good team this team was so much more comfortable offensively when they ran the offense through those two guys. And they're, they're both so skilled on the block. I mean, they're two of the most efficient post players in the country, but they're also great passers. And that's what makes it so effective is they can do that. And it's not just they better, you know, we better hope they score. It's guys know if they move and find the open spot, Duran and Juwan will find them. And that's what makes those two guys such unique players. Yeah, Zach. Jared, Jared, I just wanted to say, um, just to piggyback off that, we talked a little bit on podcast on the brink this week, you and I and Alex Bozich, about what I thought, and, and you guys are the ones that brought it up, what I thought was a huge key to uh, Indiana's ability to win this game. And it was uh, the ability to keep Louisville off the free throw line. Yep. And I, I got I got to the point watching some of that in the first half where I thought maybe, maybe Archie was thinking somewhere on the same wavelength to the point where, hey, listen, all of you, not just Juwan, although his look, his were the most pur purposeful looking um, yeah. uh, uh, where, where he just decided I'm not going to foul, but it, where it almost like he told the team, like do anything you can to never, ever, ever foul. And if this team goes to the bucket on us and gets a bucket, we'll surrender. Um, I, I really thought that was something that, that Indiana purposefully tried to do. I'd love to hear if that's really the case or if they just played really, really good defense most of the game. It could be a combination of both, but yeah. I thought that was super key. You kept a Louisville team. I, I don't have a box score in front of me, 
but I'm, I, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you the numbers. You, you kept them way of, off the line. Yeah. Well, well, here's, here's the important stat. They entered the game. Their free throw rate was 50% plus, right? So they took 60 field goals based on their season average. You would have expected them to shoot 30 plus free throws in this game. They shot 13. So that shows you that that, wow. that has been their biggest strength coming in. Now, granted, they made up some of it at the three-point line. You know, they shot 32 threes and made 11 of them, but not allowing them to score from the free-throw line, which has been their bread and butter this year. You know, as we said, that was just going to make them maybe a little less comfortable. And I thought in the second half, it definitely did. I mean, they, you know, they had to make threes, and to their credit, they did. But I take McMahon's last three free-throws off the board anyway. Those don't yeah. even count. That's true. I mean, that, you yeah. know, that, he didn't even touch him. Like, it's, but uh, what I what I'll also say is, I think the biggest one of the biggest stats of the game is on Jawan Morgan's stat line, and that's zero personal fouls, mm-hmm. and that's huge. Yeah, you know, it's fine if he gets three in a game. The problem, the thing is, he didn't get two in the first five minutes. You yeah. know, and that was what was different. You're right. I'd rather have him give up a bucket early, especially if, early. Yes, if it means he can play aggressively late, I really would. If it, you know, just go straight up, make him shoot over you, but do not jump into a guy. Do not try and block a shot that early. Hold your, you know, and then because if you get that first one, as we've seen with Juwan, he's a magnet for a bad bad call on a second one, and and so just avoid fouls early as much as you can. And I'm not saying don't play defense, but you know, make yourself big and make a guy shoot over you and just stand there. Don't jump into it because if you do, that's going to be a problem. I want to, I want to go back to what you were talking about uh, with Duran and, and Morgan being the center of the offense in the post and how great that, how, how great Indiana looks when that's going on. The thing about that too, the more you establish Duran specifically, because Morgan's likely going to draw the best defender on the team. Morgan and, and, and Romeo are going to draw the best too. So they can probably not double Morgan as much. They might show a double and back off. But if you get to Ron Davis going, they're going to have to double him with somebody and that's going to leave shooters open. And that is where you work inside out. You will find guys and Duran being a good passer, Morgan being a good passer, you are going to find wide open shooters and cutters as well, like a Justin Smith or a guy, someone yep. like that getting to the hoop. So getting that established is enormous. And if you look at the, the paint touches and the points in the paint for Indiana, that's where they're going to win games this year. I know the modern game is all about three pointers and all that stuff, but the modern game is also about efficiency. And if you're getting, if you're shooting great on twos, you don't need to shoot threes. Uh, you may need to hit a few to spread the floor, but the first thing you've got to do is establish that inside game, especially when you have the roster that Indiana has. Yep. Okay, uh, coming up here on the Assembly Call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over Louisville. We will pick up our stat segment and talk about some of the numbers. We'll also talk about the one Indiana starter who really struggled today. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night and Monday afternoon at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 fellow IU fans are subscribed. 
I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Zach McCright, and we are breaking down Indiana's 68-67 to victory over Louisville. Uh, a couple more numbers that I wanted to pick up real quick. You know, one, this is only the second time, at least according to the box score I'm looking at, that Indiana has allowed an opponent to score more than one point per possession. But if you remove those three free throws that McMahon hit and that desperation <laughs> heave at the end of the game, it probably doesn't happen. So I think this was a better defensive performance than maybe the numbers are going to show, especially in the second half. You know, when Indiana, you know, needed to come back and then needed to preserve their lead, I thought they made some really good defensive plays. The other thing that was key was turnovers turnovers have been an issue for Indiana. Now, I didn't think they would be a problem today because you're at home. Archie said that they had one of their best uh, days of practice on Thursday, that the offense started to flow with more chemistry because they just had all their guys there together to practice. And Louisville is not a team that has forced a lot of turnovers. They play a pretty similar defensive style to what Indiana does, you know, and they try to, you know, kind of keep guys in front of them. Uh, and so Indiana only turned it over 10 times. And that was really positive. Three by Devontae, three by Rob Finnessy. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, none by Justin Smith. To contrast that, Indiana only had 10 assists. But they got seven of those in the second half, and in the first half, they missed out on a lot of them by missing some open shots. So I think the ball movement and the passing was actually better than the assist number kind of gives credit for, uh, and the fact that they only turned it over 10 times. Even while Louisville was really out physicaling him in the first half, I thought that's what allowed Indiana to keep it close, is at least they weren't turning it over even when they were kind of struggling to get into some sets. So that was a really worth, big really big stat today. Worth a note, Louisville only had one or two turnovers in the first half, and they wound up yep. with nine. So yep. Indiana was turning them over in the second half as well. And uh, the number that really stood out to me when I looked at this box score was Louisville shot 38.3% from the field. Indiana held them below. And I know points per possession, there's something that matters, and this was a low possession game for the most part. But their the effective whole, field goal percentage was probably higher because they took a lot of right. threes. And so. they hit 11 of 32, which was 34%. But still, you're holding a team to 38.3% from the field, 34.4% from three-point range, and they only get to the line 13 times. You're going to win that game. I mean, it was closer than it needed to be and everything. Indiana, to contrast that, shot 49% from the field. Uh, they were only 4 of 14 from three, but they hit some big ones when they needed to. Rob Finnessy basically hit all of them. He was three. He was awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, to shoot forty nine percent from the field, um, yeah, you're going to win that game when you hold the other team. And and so those were the two numbers that stood out to me. Was Indiana was being efficient offensively. Yep. By the way, I just the one thing I wanted to add to that was, and I you know I don't have a number to back this up, obviously, but um, I, I I felt like at least in in my own head that this was one of the few IU games this year where I found myself not saying that was a bad shot on Indiana's end very much. There weren't very many of them. There were, there were, there were a couple, but you know, I, I I know, and and Ryan, you alluded to it, that Indiana missed a lot of open looks in in the first half. And I can remember thinking at one time, we'll take that shot. We'll take more more than once. We'll take that shot. We'll take that shot. Gosh, I wish they would make them. For crying out loud. All of, all of Al Durham's threes, and we'll get to him, but all of those were good shots. He just missed That's them. That's right. You know? And then I thought Rob uh, Rob and, and Romeo rushed a couple threes, like maybe three total. But other than that, I thought they pretty much took good shots. And a couple of them where they drove in and just had bad shots, they were clearly trying to draw a foul, you know, and, and they just didn't get it. And then the shot was a – Romeo had one where he drove in and – kind of almost lost the ball. It, it barely hit the backboard. He was clearly trying to draw a foul on that drive. And, you know, sometimes you do that. And, and um, it's not the most 
effective way to run offense, but it, it does happen when a guy's hounding you, you drive into him and pull up to take a shot or, 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 or get the ball up and you try it and, and make it to the line. And, uh, yeah. you know, so you force some things, but I'd love to see what the shooting percentage was in the second half. I haven't seen that number for, but I would, for, for Indiana. Oh, Indiana, Indiana shot 54.2% in the second yeah. half. They were much better offensively in the second half. I, I think that that yeah. was, as you said, once they kind of got into the physicality of the game and kind of settled in, uh, they really improved offensively. And and they also, they gave it to their stars. They gave it to Romeo. They gave it to Deron Davis. They gave it to Juwan Morgan. And they let them go to work. And and that that's also, in the first half, there was a lot of throwing it into the post, letting it go back, back them down. There was a lot of one-on-one play. That's going to bring assists down. And, and so there were times in the second half where they moved the ball and didn't get a shot, but they still moved the ball really well. And, and, yeah. and, you know, so moving the ball, not turning the ball over is going to lead to good things offensively. And, and credit to Romeo. He had three of Indiana's seven assists in the second half. And I thought we saw him, his, he hasn't had as many assists lately. And I think he's had more than we saw in the first few games of the season, tunnel vision on scoring, you know, when he gets that opportunity. But I thought he was really looking to pass a little bit more in the second half as kind of an adjustment that he made to the way they were playing him in the first half. Um, and that was nice to see. And guys finish the plays. One guy that I want to talk about is Al Durham. Because, you know, he he really played well in some recent games, but I think we're noticing a trend with Al. You know, he has no points today, has no assists, has no rebounds, really struggled to impact the game. And when you look at probably the two worst performances that he's had, it was the Arkansas game when he had five turnovers, and it was the first half of the Duke game when he just really didn't look like he belonged on that court. Now, he padded his stats in the second half when the defensive pressure was a little bit less, but really struggled in the first half. And I thought we saw it again today. And I think Al right now is a very solid player in a lot of matchups. As I said, he's played well recently. But when you get against a team that is more athletic and physical, which is what Arkansas was and which is what Duke was in the first half, he really struggles to get comfortable in the game. And I think part of the reason why he missed some of those shots was just rushing them a little bit, not yep. quite being as comfortable. And he's not, you know, he's not really able to impact the game as much when the other team is, you know, kind of just as long as he is and maybe even more athletic than he is. So, look, he, he's a sophomore who's still growing, and I think he's a very important player on this team, deserved to start today. But that's something to watch moving forward, that matchups like these just really don't seem to fit him very well at where he is in the state in this stage of his development right now. Yeah, and I think this is something he just has to get used to because he's he's probably hasn't faced too many teams that can match his length and athleticism. And, and he did, he faced that today. And I think that what would have been good is if one of those threes falls, maybe he gets some confidence on both ends yep. and he just kind of gets locked into the flow of the game, almost like that Justin Smith dunk. It just kind of, that just locked him into tunnel vision on the game. And, you know, when you're missing shots, you miss three of them and two of them were very good looks. One was, was a decent look. It wasn't a bad look, but two of them were very good in rhythm shots. And you're right. He rushed them and it, they didn't look great coming out of his hand. And that's not what Al's been earlier this year. He's been arguably our most reliable shooter. So, you know, it just got him out of the flow, I think. Um, and, and and he just wasn't as locked in as he usually is, particularly on the defensive end. I didn't think he played poorly defensively. I just didn't think he had his typical, uh, you know, just the way he locks guys he, down. He was getting beat more often on drives, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and that, that just doesn't happen. And also, he's he's long enough that he can recover and make a play on the ball, and he just wasn't doing that either. So, I, again, I just think he was a little bit out of his head. And that can happen for any number of reasons. He might have been 
you might have not been able to sleep well last night. Like we don't, you know, I mean, he's a college. Well, but I think there is a trend on the types of teams that there give is. him an issue right now. Absolutely. And he'll get better at that, but it's just something Absolutely. to watch out for. Absolutely. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it, it is one game in the context of a larger season where he's been playing pretty well. Yeah. And so you're right. The matchup could be causing it. So what's uh, something to keep an eye on moving forward, but I don't think it's, as you said, I don't think it's a trend that we need to worry about, you know, moving to the next couple games. I think it's it's something you need to look for when those matchups do kind of play out that way. By the way, thanks to Zach for uh, for stopping by. He had to leave. He's calling a game uh, today, so he only had a few short minutes to join us, but we always appreciate him being here. You know, and here's the thing about Al. He deserves to start, and he's going to continue to start because the other two guys who would start really, I think, struggled to impact the game today. You know, so Indiana did get good play from Duran, huge play. They wouldn't have won without him. Devonte and Zach still seem to be struggling to find their rhythm. You know, Devonte offensively, you know, had three turnovers. Some of them were not good. Really seems to be, you know, he really seems caught with indecision more often than usual on when to shoot, when to pass. Like, you know, and and sometimes that little hesitation helps him make a play. But that's usually when it's strategic. Right now, it feels like the hesitation is more indecision. Like he just seems a little bit out of rhythm. And Zach McRoberts in between at all times. That's what I mean. Yeah. Between two minds. Yeah. Yes. It's the sort of lock in really. I've been saying that a lot today, but it's, you know, it's, it's a focus thing. And, and again, he and Zach, and I know you're going to talk about Zach next, but he and Zach are still working their way back. So they're not where they're hopefully where they're going to be, but you'd hope that by the Butler game and maybe the next two games, they start to really feel a rhythm. Yeah. and, And look, the thing with Zach is, I thought he was solid on defense today, but I also thought uncharacteristically he made some mistakes. Like when they had that backdoor play by McMahon, he just got ran around a screen. And the thing with Zach is he can't just be solid on defense. He has to be spectacular on defense because he doesn't bring a lot offensively. Now, a couple nice hustle plays. I thought he had a couple of tough rebounds during a stretch when Indiana yeah, wasn't was rebounding well. And, and, and that was good. But, you know, look, again, same thing with Justin Smith. Like, you're going to keep giving these guys minutes and let them, you know, work through this because you've seen the track record. So I'm not concerned about either guy's ability to impact long term. But I do think right now, if I were the coach, I'd be pretty well set on who my starters are. And even Al's performance today wouldn't make me, you know, question starting him against Butler because you've got to, you know, Devontae and Zach now give them, you know, 15, 16, 17 minutes like you did today and wait for them to show that they're ready for more. But right now they're they're both and and you know this was a tough game flow to get into a rhythm if you weren't already into a rhythm because of how it went. But you know obviously both guys left a little bit to be desired. Uh, and you know we just have just like Justin Smith broke out today. You just wait for those guys to kind of get back, get their confidence. Devonte to get in rhythm offensively. Zach to get more in rhythm defensively. Uh, I will say somebody I know somebody's going to ask, but Race Thompson was I, it, since we're talking about the guys who were coming back from injury. Race Thompson was not with the team today. Yep. I assume they just didn't want him in the arena with the noise and the lights, because if you have a concussion that can trigger it and give you headaches and stuff. I had a friend who played high school football and he could not play in night games because of a concussion or he couldn't couldn't be on the sideline during night games because of the lights in the stadium. So yep. uh, clearly this was a serious situation with this concussion and they are handling it, I think, appropriately with Race Thompson. So hopefully we hear positive news over the next couple of weeks, but it doesn't appear he's close to returning, which is the way it should be if this is a bad concussion. They should not force this back. You know, and as Michael says, and I think he's right here in the chat, you know, everyone plays harder when they play with Zach. And that is true. 
And that is why you're going to continue to give him minutes. He does still set a tone. You know, even if he's struggling a little bit, he's still going to help you set that defensive tone. So again, you know, these comments are more, there's definitely another level for those guys to get to, but they've, you know, they deserve the minutes that they're getting and they should continue getting them. Um, one guy that we we talked about him at the start, we should probably circle back to him is Rob Finnessy. Uh, you know, 10 points. He's three of nine on field goals, but all three of them were threes. <laughs> all three of them were huge yeah. threes. He tried a couple times to drive in. Their length was just too much for him. Well, he also got screwed on the offensive foul because it wasn't an offensive foul. That was ridiculous. He but he drove in a couple times and got a shot block from behind just because they had so, guys who were so much bigger than him. And, you know, that stuff he'll learn. He clearly didn't see it coming, the block either. And you got to yeah. protect, protect the ball. But, you know, a couple of other things I was really impressed with. We mentioned the rebounds. I also thought late in the game when Louisville was going to try and just get an easy two, his defense to force the guy to the baseline and not allow him to score, but also without fouling, was really, really impressive. Um, you know, so that stuff was was nice. He had no assists. I felt like he could have had a few if guys had made shots. Um, but I didn't necessarily get the feeling that he wasn't directing the offense well, you know, kind of when he was in there. He just, he just didn't get the assist. So, you know, it's one of those games from Rob you know, I, I, I suppose, in, you know, in certain ways where you see, you know, the no assists and he's missing some shots, but man, he just continued to come up big in the big moments, which was, uh, which was obviously nice to see. Juwan Morgan, we talked about him, 15 points, five rebounds, two assists. Again, I feel like the rebound numbers were a little bit muted because early he wasn't really attacking him. And I actually thought with Juwan throughout the whole first half, he was making more mistakes defensively than we usually see. Some of it was just... He was in an odd matchup. Well, he was, you know, but I also think... I, the thing that I think that'll be important for Juwan, because he can't foul, right? We talked about this. Yeah. But I think what he'll have to find is maybe a bit more of a happy medium between laying back and being smart and not being aggressive in moments when he shouldn't be, but then knowing when he does need to be aggressive. And I thought he struggled to kind of find that balance in the first half. Now, in the second half, he was better. But just, you know, some of the ways that he defended ball screens and did some other things, it just it wasn't like him in the first half. He's usually much more solid than that. So, you know, a nitpick because I thought overall he had a really good game. Um, but any other any other kind of individual performances stand out to you that we haven't hit yet? No, I think we pretty much hit him. I, I mean, we really have kind of thrown in stuff on pretty much everybody. Um, Except for Fitzner. San Diego yeah. guy. He didn't do much. How how, uh, how many minutes did he play? It hasn't loaded. He on only played two. Uh, yeah. Did nothing. It wasn't and, a good and I, No, that's what I was going to say. It was not a good matchup for him. And so I'm, I don't question that at all. Wasn't a good matchup for Clifton Moore either for anybody who is wondering why he didn't play. This is not, yeah. that's not the game that you're going to throw Clifton. And also... When IU gets behind seven to eight early or whatever it was, you're not going to start unloading the deeper guys on your bench. You're going to shorten your bench and and go with your better guy. You're going to go heavy rotation with these guys. Clearly, Archie, you know, he the way he coached this game, that he saw this as a very important game. This wasn't just a random pre, you know, non-conference game. He saw this as a very important game. He thinks this is going to be important down the road for seeding or whatever. And and maybe it's early to be thinking about that, but to a home game against a name program, he clearly thought this was a very important game the way he coached it because he coached it very tight. There was not a lot of letting guys work through their problems, which we've seen from him before in other non-conference games. It's just kind of like, hey, let's feel it out, let's figure it out, work through it, and develop. He wanted to win this game, and he was doing what he could to win this game. And, and you saw it sometimes. Yeah, Al, Al only played eight minutes in the second half, as an example. You know, and you, and you saw it in Archie's frustration and in his intensity at times with the officials and stuff like that. Like he was going for it in this one. And maybe it's that I you needed another 
you know, non-conference win against a, a major conference uh, team or he thinks, or just a name program or a program he thinks might make the top 25. He wanted this one badly. And uh, he, he really went after it. Yeah. And, you know, and I see some people in the chat talking about Evan. There will definitely be matchups that are better for him. We said before the season started, he's a guy that's probably going to score 15, 16 points one game and help you win. And other games probably isn't going to play very much because I think his role is going to be kind of matchup dependent because of what he does. And he has struggled. And what he at, doesn't do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So this was just this is just one of those games for him. I will say, I think a lot of people when they saw, oh, big guy who can shoot, they thought Max Bielfeld. This is, he's not Max Bielfeld. Max Much Bielfeld. different player was a, a multi-dimensional guy who was an inside out who made himself an outside shooter. Fitzner is an outside shooter who just happens to be tall. So it and, is and he's a, got good post moves, but he's also, you know, he's not he's not like Max was strong. And Max could impact every game because you could find a way for him to go in there, play tough post defense and rebound. And that's just not what Evan does well. And he right was now, able so. to carve out positions like that. Like against yeah. against smaller teams, uh, I'm surprised he didn't play better against Northwestern. Uh, yeah. I thought that would have been a good matchup for him. Uh, and in the non-conference, when we were playing other teams and they had to focus so much on Jawan Morgan, you could put both of them in and he could stretch the floor. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just, it's really going to be matchup dependent. Yep. Okay, coming up in our final segment, we hand out our game balls. We take a quick look ahead to next week's Crossroads Classic. And then in last call, we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's one-point victory over Louisville. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's important one-point victory over Louisville today at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. It is that point in the show now, Ryan, where we hand out our game balls. Just to kind of recap that through nine games so far, Romeo has won four, Jawan has won three, Duran and Rob Finnessy each have one game ball. Uh, who are you giving yours to? Uh, you go first. I'm still deciding. Man, I'm still deciding. Look, look, there's a there's a lot of options in this one. I think, you know, obviously you look at what Romeo's contributions were and leading the team in scoring. You could certainly go with him. Rob Finnessy is a clear candidate for the big shots that he made. I'm giving my game ball to Justin Smith. And look, is part of this grading on a little bit of kind of a curve because of how he'd been playing recently? Perhaps, but I also think that his contributions today were more important than the box score numbers. You know, nine point, like he led Indiana in rebounding with nine in a game where no one else really rebounded early in the game. That was important. But the nine points, the two assists, having no turnovers was really big. And again, I just felt like he had some really big momentum plays, especially early in the second half, that guys fed off of. And look, Indiana doesn't win this game without Romeo. They don't win it without Juwan. They don't win it without Rob. They don't win it without Duran. But Justin kind of returning to form, and I thought being one of Indiana's most solid defensive players on the day, uh, to me, his impact was bigger than what you see in the box score. And so Justin gets my game ball today. Uh, my game ball is going to, and, and look, if you're talking about who's the best player on the floor, it, it's a toss up between Morgan and Langford, and that's the way it's going to be pretty much every game this year. But my game ball, the guy who I thought was indispensable and made some big plays is Deron Davis. Eight points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, only one turnover, but he made two big, he made some big free throws late. Uh, he, I thought he just, when he was on the floor, Indiana was in command. 
and 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 there was just a guy on the floor you didn't mess with and that little talking to he gave uh I, Williams Louisville's defender yeah that stood out to me man that was that was that was big and you know the the don't mess with my teammate look was just so important for this team at this point of the season you know if that happens in February you're like yeah well of course but it's early in the season and he's establishing territory and ground rules about his freshmen and protecting his freshmen and I think that's a big deal and it's something that'll allow Romeo to know Hey, nobody's gonna mess with me. I can I can attack a little more. Um, so I give mine to Deron Davis. You could give it to Langford, you could give it to Morgan. They both played great. And I, I also we forgot to mention Langford's pass on that slip uh to, to Morgan Beautiful. Late. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and, and he made so many great plays. But I gotta give it to Duran because and again, it, it's grading on a little bit of a curve. But if you're looking at a guy who came in and changed the game, I think it was Duran. He was great in the post. He made so many, he made three just fantastic post moves, a fourth that rimmed out, and he made he made some big free throws. So I'm going with Deron Davis. I thought that was an excellent performance from him and also the way he just sort of established a tone with, you know, staring down a guy and telling him not to mess with his buddy. This is uh this is easily the most kind of controversial <laughs> game ball selection. This is the toughest one to pick. The Easily. the chat is almost totally split. Like usually I can kind of get a consensus. We've got votes for Romeo, for Rob, for Justin, for Duran. There's some people saying, "Whoa, you can't give it to Justin." There's other people saying he's the clear answer. So I don't know. So I need someone from the chat to please tally up the votes so that we can kind of do the official one for our contest cuz glancing at it right now, I have no idea. But the chat mob always breaks the tie when we're split. We're split, so chat mob. I'm going to need you guys to uh, to kind of figure that out because this is a if, close if one. You can't if we can't figure it out in the chat mob, we'll have to have Andy Bottoms break the tie. So <laughs> we will, and nobody wants that. We so, will. We may uh, have to have no, it. Look, I'm, I I agree with your pick of Justin. I think he set the tone. Uh, I think that his ability to rebound was huge, and his ability on the defensive end was huge. He it was him or Duran for me, and I realized that Langford's amazing and Jawan Morgan's amazing. But they're always going to be amazing. It's the other guys that step up that are going to help this team win. And when they have good games, not phenomenal, amazing, great games, it's so important for those other guys to step up. And today, I thought Davis and Smith were the guys who stepped up. And I thought Deron, I just think Deron set a tone. And he was just not going to be bullied, not going to be pushed around. And he didn't take any any garbage when he was on defense either. And, and he may not have racked up a ton of stats and blocks or whatever, but he was just there and he was a rock back there. So I, I, I had to go with the one. You know what's interesting? And now as I look in the chat mob, Duran probably is winning this because most of them are coming in from him. You know, what's really interesting about these picks is, again, those aren't the guys that jump off from the stat sheet. But what was Indiana's biggest no. issue in the first half? It was that they didn't match the physicality and the energy of Louisville. Who were the, yeah, who were the two guys in the second half that set the tone and played that way the entire time they were on the court? It was Duran and Justin. And so I think, you know, that's why I think their play stood out to us, even though the numbers may not be as huge as what Romeo rose, and Juwan brought. They rose to the occasion. That's yeah. the thing is that they, they were did. challenged. That whole team was challenged. And who's going to step up? And they sort of elevated their games to match the atmosphere and, and the, you know, the intensity and all that stuff. And there's really like, I mean, you know, Justin took a couple I'll say interesting shots, uh, but <laughs> yeah, but I would say that he didn't he he didn't stand out for making any bad plays, you know. And Duran, I can't think of bad plays he made, you know. And and it's um and 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 in a game that's this close, it's sometimes 
the plays you don't make that are the most important. You know, the things you don't do that are the most important, even over the scoring and all that other stuff. It's just being solid and smart and and getting, you know, getting it done. And and so that's why I think they rose to the top of ours. I mean, and and of course you're you are grading a bit on a curve, of course. But my the way I looked at it is, if they were missing one of these guys would they have won the game? And I don't think if they were missing Smith or Duron Davis, they win that game. Good point from Joel. He'll break the tie game ball to Archie. And I thought I, we can't pr- give it to, we can't give it to coaches, but Archie would have been my pick. It was, I mean, that's, that's two really good coaches going at it. And you know what, what I thought again was impressive is the ability for Indiana to turn it around and the mistakes and what was really hurting them in the first half, they got better in the second half and they were poised down the stretch for the most part. You know, the, the fact that Louisville made that comeback was a lot more about kind of hitting some lucky shots and a bad call, but you know, it, you know, it's like at the free throw line, his team needed a spark. Archie kind of provided it. And then they go six for seven down the stretch when every single one of those free throws was important. So obviously, you know, Archie's solid job at the helm was kind of an undercurrent of everything that we talked about today. Um, but you know, another, you know another else, really good game from him. You know what else they did? They made halftime adjustments and, and, and yeah, that is so important as a head coach to see the flow of the game, recognize it, and change what you're doing. You don't have to change the whole thing and flip it on its head, but you just kind of alter and twist things. And then they said, coming out of the timeout, okay, we're going to go to Deron Davis, in the, or I mean, to Juwan Morgan in the post. Just give him the ball in the post and let him go to work. I mean, and that worked. And and that's, you know, it, it put stress on Louisville's defense. And Indiana's offense had not been putting a whole lot of stress on, on Louisville's defense in the first half. By the way, the, the game ball for chat comment is uh, Doug. Sometimes it's the bear's mouth you don't walk into. <laughs> to, it's true. To piggyback true. on your point. <laughs> Walking into a bear's mouth. I mean, yep. you don't want to do that. You, don't. you never want to do that. You don't. Um, Someone asked if we're going to be ranked on Monday. I think Indiana is ranked on Monday. I think we should be. Two conference yep. wins and a, and a home win against Louisville. Take it. I think the Northwestern win was taken into account with the last rankings, but winning on the road against yeah, Penn State. Yeah, I mean, it was, but I'm just saying three in a row, Yeah, two against conference opponents and one against the good, you know, they I would think so too. Yeah. Um, all right. So obviously coming up now, we have next Saturday, the Crossroads Classic against Butler. We're not going to get much into previewing that game because Andy is not here. He's the one who handles that for us, but we'll have plenty on that game on Banner Monday on Assembly Call Radio because here's the important part. The, the thing I want to talk about, Ryan, is we look ahead. Indiana has a full week to practice. You know, they have one game in 17 days or something like that. Right. And they have a full week to practice. This they, time. they have a full week to practice for this game. You know, Archie has been salivating to get this time to practice, especially, you know, to have and, and not just to practice, but to, to be healthy. You know, there were no other injuries that we know about. So outside of race, not being back and obviously Jerome Hunter not being there. You know, you've got 12 of the guys you were counting on healthy, ready to go practice and you know coaches love practice this is a really big now obviously you know butler has time to practice too so both teams are going to be coming into this game off a week of practice but for indiana it's so important because what's really been plaguing the hoosiers is that chemistry and to hear archie talk to fish before the game it sounds like they really had a good couple days of practice now you win this game and this game was so important for the momentum of the season. Now you go into this week feeling good about yourself. I expect a really good performance from Indiana on Saturday because I, to me, the things that have been ailing them for the most part have been injury and chemistry related. And assuming guys get healthy and you get time to practice, you can fix that stuff. So I think that's why we didn't, you know, for the most part, overreact to some of the early poor performances. And I expect this practice time to really help with that. 
Uh, just a correction. It's one game in 11 days. So one game in 11 days. Plenty of time to get these guys healthy. Yeah, Scott uh, says, what are we going to do for seven days? Well, we got you covered for two of them. There'll be a podcast on the brink as well, so that's three of them. And banner, banner Monday. Yeah, well, banner mornings. So we'll we'll have some stuff. We will. And, we will and have also some stuff Thursday, I want to tease. I want to do a segment on Trace Jackson Davis Thursday. We'll have plenty. Oh, of Oh yes, we got to do our scouting report on Trace. That's right. I will. Uh, I will pour over the video this week. Give you. Boy, you know, man. You know, we all felt everybody, even the ones who are putting a positive spin on it and and looking at the you know kind of keeping things in perspective. That the night of that Duke loss was pretty demoralizing, just because it was a reality check on where we are. But look at what's happened since then. You know, kudos and, and, and kind of hat tip to the program for coming back. You've won every game since then. You've booked another five-star prospect. You know, we got smacked in the mouth, but things have gone pretty well since that. And credit to you. I mean, you were the one who says tonight doesn't matter. What matters is what they do after this. This program and this team, they've done a pretty good job of rebounding from that really, really tough night. It's always, I mean, when you're at this point in the season, it's always about the next step, not the step you just took. And, and you know, so that's, you know, that's just how I always feel at this time of the year. It's not about the loss to Arkansas. It's not about the loss to Duke. It's about what you learned from that moving forward. And clearly they're learning how to close out games a little better. Uh, you didn't see that against Penn State, but you saw it against Northwestern and then you saw it today. And clearly they're learning from these things. They're starting to bring the turnovers down, fingers crossed. But, you know, all this stuff, they're, they're, they are starting to get better. And, and you know, you got to sort of let that, happen and let that develop naturally you're listening to the assembly call iu postgame show remember that because you're an assembly call listener you get 15 percent off your entire order at hoosierproud.com and at homefieldapparel.com so if you want officially licensed iu gear go to homefieldapparel.com and if you want one of our assembly call logo t-shirts or one of hoosier proud's unique indiana inspired designs visit hoosierproud.com on both sites use the promo code assembly at checkout for 15 percent off your entire order all right, Ryan, it is time for last call. Your final thoughts on this victory for Indiana. Big win. Uh, great stretch to start this stretch 3-0, and uh, really locking in and, and playing well. Uh, being down, coming back, uh, really just a nice overall game. I, 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 it was really nice to see them win this. Obviously, if it ends poorly, I think we all feel different about this, but it was nice to see them in the second half really lock in adjust what they were doing, attack Louisville the way that all of us thought they should be attacked. And, uh, you know, by just going to the middle, playing inside out, it was great to see some freshmen step up like Rob hitting a big shot and Romeo just being Romeo uh, and to see some guys, to see guys like Justin Smith, who's been struggling and Deron Davis, who's still on his way back from a devastating injury, just to see those guys start to step up and fit into this team. Uh, I think that's. I think it was just a great all-around win, and these guys have earned a well-deserved rest. I know they've got practice, but it's a well-deserved sort of break from the intensity of games, uh, and and hopefully that that chemistry continues to build. You know, I think one of the reasons people were so disappointed after the Duke game is, you know, we all want Indiana to be quote unquote back like yesterday. Right, We want to be competing for a Big Ten title. We want to be in the top 10. We want to be talking about Final Fours, all of that. And the Duke loss was kind of a reality check that we're not on that level yet. But that was always kind of an unrealistic expectation. What we want is growth, and what we want is stability for a program that has been so up and down. And so you know, you look at what Indiana has done already this season. Ryan, do you know how many top 50 wins we had all of last year? 
Top Two? top top fifty Ken Palm wins. We had three of them. Okay. Notre Dame, Maryland, Penn State. You know how many oh, top fifty Penn State. Yeah. You know how many top fifty Ken Palm wins we have already this season? Four now? Four. We beat Marquette. We beat Northwestern, we beat Penn State, and we beat Louisville. Yes, three of those have come at home. That's fine. Those are all solid teams. Another one came on the road. So is this Indiana program under Archie Miller ready to compete with maybe a top five or a top 10 team yet? Perhaps not. But the next step for the Indiana basketball program was to get back into being a top 25 program and to being just one of the better programs in the country. And to do that, that means you got to beat those teams that are in the 30s, that are in the 40s. And, you know, we're a tip-in and a bad call away from beating Arkansas and having five of them with two of them coming on the road. So, you know, I know that there has been some naysaying. There has been some frustration. You know, people are, have been upset with the turnovers and, you know, some lackadaisical play here and there. But, man, if you can't recognize the progress that the program has made under Archie Miller already, not even a full year and a half into his tenure, I don't know what to tell you. You know, this team has an identity, and this team, you know, when the chips get down like they were today, they rally together, they make plays, they play with poise, and they come back and they're winning these games now. So I think this three-game stretch that we've seen right now, yeah, it's been a lot of close wins, but these are good teams that we're beating. That's what I want to underscore with my points here is these are all top 50 wins. These are important confidence-building wins for a team that is, you know, still playing imperfectly, still struggling with chemistry, and to be able to find a way to win these games anyway, that's a great sign because the chemistry is going to come as this team gets healthier and has more practice time together. And that means that the play is already going to get better and it's going to be moving up from a spot that's already pretty good, even if we've been a little bit too reluctant to maybe recognize it this season because we've wanted everything to come a little bit faster than it has. But great job by the guys. Great job by the team. Great job by Archie Miller uh, to get this win. A huge three-game winning streak. And we look forward now, obviously, to seeing what they do on Saturday against Butler, see if they can run run this winning streak uh, to four. All right, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Monday afternoon and Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.